Attention Strictly Hoop Talk and Strictly Hip Hop listeners. Fans, you know I've been talking about this clothing line forever, but Anti Forever USA is where you need to be to get dope clothes, man. I'm telling you, I just got a hoodie in the mail today. It is awesome. It is one of their premium uh, hoodies, and they have they have so much more, though, than hoodies. They have beanies. They have hats. They have long sleeves. They have t-shirts. They have everything, and they got more stuff coming soon. I was just told that they have more stuff coming soon, so fans... Go to Anti Forever USA today and remember to use the special co- promo code PLATTY to get 10% off your purchase. That's P-L-A-T-T-E. And make sure you know that the P is capital. The link will be in the description of the podcast. Shop Anti Forever USA today. AntiForeverUSA.com Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, giving you a double dose of podcasts. Yesterday, I gave you an NBA playoff podcast with Noah Lofman, so go check that out if you hadn't heard that. That was before all the Game 6s aired last night, um, so go check that one out because that one was that one was a good one. Um, I, didn't give you, I didn't give you any first-round podcasts, so I decided to give you two now. Um, just been kind of crazy with final schedules and everything, but... Real quickly, before I jump into today's guest, I just want to say, please follow me on Twitter at RealChrisPlatty. That's C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. That's how you spell Chris Platty. Then, of course, real is just real. Um, And then uh, also, please, those that listen on iTunes, which is the majority of my fan base, please not only subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, but please write a review because very soon I will be recording and I know I've I've said this before, but this time it's official. I've locked it down. Um, I am recording a podcast, and in in a podcast coming up soon, I will be within the next week or so. I will be announcing and uh, shouting out those who left a review on the on the uh, iTunes page. So please do that if you want to if you want to have your name heard and get it, receive a shout out on the podcast by us. But now let's get back. So Max, it's been a while, buddy. Um, First off, how have you been? And uh, then, and then we'll jump into we'll jump into some hoops. But first off, how have you been, man? I've been good, man. It's been uh, kind of crazy with both of our schedules having given us the opportunity to get this pod out. But finally, you know, we're we came together as one. <laughs> so hopefully, this podcast is uh, good. And people, we apologize for the late podcast, but we're gonna get it right now. Yeah, man. Hey, all that matters is we get it right. Um, you know, I got to take a lot of the responsibility. Like I said, finals week has been crazy. Um, I'm approaching finals week, actually. So 
it's a week before when I'm supposed to be studying, but here I am podcasting right now. Um, let's jump into this. So for future reference, uh, we are recording this at about 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Uh, so last night, let's just jump into it. Uh, we had three game sixes, the Jazz and Clippers, the Wizards and Hawks, the Bulls and Celtics. Um, let's first talk the Jazz versus Clips because I think that was one, the most entertaining game. And two, I think it's the most entertaining series, and uh, it has it has I think the most depth and uh, discussion to it. So, Max, uh, the Jazz obviously unable to close out at home, falling to the falling to the Clippers, uh, ninety eight to ninety three, but not without a late game surge where the Clippers looked like they were going to clip again and and just blow the lead. Uh, there was a sequence where Chris Paul committed back to back turnovers. And uh, the Jazz scored seven straight points to cut it to three, and then um, the, after being after being down ten with a minute thirty left, they cut it to three with about uh, I believe eighteen seconds left in the game, and uh, and then Joe Johnson gets an ISO look against DeAndre Jordan. He hits a or he 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 takes a step back three, but it falls short. Uh, Gordon Hayward and and George Hill are under the basket. Both of them have their hands on the ball, but because of each other, because of running into each other, they weren't able to uh, hold on to the ball, so it goes back to the Clippers. Chris Paul gets the inbound, gets some free throws, and, and sinks the game. So, uh, Max, first off, uh, wh- what was what was your impression of the game from, from what you've seen? And uh, second, like how, how do you feel about the Jazz moving forward and the Clippers? You know, when I think when we did a podcast, I we talked about this game being the most intriguing game to us, this along with the Westbrook Harden. And I said if the Clippers or if the Jazz would get home field home court, then I I I take the Jazz to win it. If they didn't have home court, then I thought it'd still be close, but I would leaning a little bit to the Jazz. I'm not a big Clippers fan. I think they're overrated. I think they're not good. And yesterday I was just Absolutely disappointed in the Jazz. I mean, you're at home. It's game six. Even, you know, without Blake Griffin because he got hurt again. And it's just, like, so disappointing that they didn't, they couldn't close him out. And they just had – I had, I just – it was it was frustrating to watch them. It's like, dude, you guys got to, like, step on their necks and don't even give them a chance. And yesterday – and it's not like the Clippers balled out either. I mean, they had four players and uh, – I think five players overall in double figures. Yeah, like the role players actually did, you know, step up a little bit. Like Austin Rivers had 13, and Mabute had 13, DeAndre Jordan had 13 and 14 boards. But like, you know, I answered a question on Twitter: How much does Chris Paul need to get for them to win? And I think I said 35 points and 10 assists. He was 28, 29 and eight, so he wasn't like super magical, you know. But the Jazz is just like you're at home, dude. You gotta close it out. It's game six. You've won two in L.A., and if now it's going to be really hard to win three games in, in L.A., and if they do, more power to them. But it's just an opportunity that they squandered, and now they brought life back into the Clippers. So it's just frustrating to watch a team like that who is paying their dues. They barely miss playoffs, and now they're up and coming, and they just, I don't know, maybe it's the experience factor that they, they didn't close them out. So I was highly disappointed in Utah. Yeah, you know, um, I agree. Disappointing is a good word because uh, a lot of the Jazz had a lot of a lot of looks. So um, a lot of looks throughout the first half that were very easy. Um, in the second half, the Clippers played phenomenal defense. I thought um, 
and as well as hitting big shots uh, continuously throughout the game. But um, especially in the second half, it, it just it seemed like the Jazz just weren't able to get to the offense the way they, they wanted to. And um, and the Clippers' defense was just phenomenal. But, but yeah, in the first half, man, they missed a lot of threes. Uh, I'm trying to find the uh, the three-point uh the three-point stats from last night as a team, uh, the Jazz they shot because 20, I, they shot twenty-six percent or twenty-six point nine, so three from twenty-six point nine as a team, yeah. and you know that's very interesting because they had a lot of good looks. Uh, Rodney Hood was zero of six, um, a lot, and I think at least five, if not all six of his threes were open looks. There was the mm-hmm. one where he um, in the fourth where he. And I was late in the fourth, I think, when he had to stumble a- after the step back. So, um, but he was still open. Joe Johnson went one of four. George Hill was one of two, so not bad. You can Ingles was zero of three. Gordon Hayward was three of nine. Yeah. So I mean, the team just really, really struggled from downtown, and I thought that that was um, that was a key that was a key factor. And then. Uh, then also Gobert going down with the ankle injury. Uh, I I don't remember the the time marker, but I believe it was I I believe it was relatively early in the fourth or maybe late in the third. Uh, Max, do you remember when yeah, when it was? I think he went it down? was like a a minute or two minutes left in the third. It was late in the third. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um. So he goes down. So he goes down late in the third. Um. Off of just a basically a fluke play that was uh no contact he just he just landed wrong i don't know if that was just mentally not trusting his body and trusting his leg but uh you know he he landed on his ankle pretty bad and you know when you're seven two me and my roommate were talking about this when you're seven two and you weigh as much as gobert and you land on your ankle like that that's a lot of pressure and that's like and, and that's and that's very hard to uh that's very hard to uh get back from because of because of all the weight and all the stress that um, is put on is put on that ankle because of his his frame so uh right now they're doing around the clock uh medical treatment on his on his ankle just trying to reduce the swelling but he was noticeably worse uh when he came back in the fourth quarter and to the point where he was noticeably worse to the point where they started Derek favors at center uh or not started but they played Derek favors at center down the stretch and uh that led to some and, and it was it was a good lineup. It was it was productive, but um, it did also lead to a lot of um, emergence and 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 breakout uh, plays from from DeAndre Jordan allowed him to secure a couple more offensive rebounds and you know things like that ended up being the difference in the game when it's when it's that close. So I agree with you, Max. Very disappointing as far as Utah, but um, it showed me a lot for the Clippers because uh, to be honest, yeah, like. Like you said, if you had to if if you had to guess what Chris Paul would have needed to win, I say yeah, thirty five and ten or forty and ten would have been what I would expect. But uh, you know, he wasn't too far off from that, like you said. But I mean, still the the bench stepped up and uh, the bench stepped up. Redick didn't really uh, play well well again though. He's just struggled this series. He only had twenty minutes in the game. He did only attempt four field goals this game too. So. Um, He's been he's been kind of weird, but you know Paul Pierce even contributed, Jamal Crawford, uh, Space contributed a little, as you said, Austin Rivers, Abamute, DeAndre, of course. It was a team effort, which is something that's weird. That it's weird that the Jazz, the deeper team, got beat by um, uh, 
beat by the Clippers, who, as as you and I have both talked about before, is just a substantially um, a more shallow team as far as far as depth goes. And so, uh, so it just it seemed like it it seemed it seemed very off. It seemed like it seemed like the whole entire Jazz team was struggling. And when you're that deep of a team like Utah, you know it's very rare that your entire team struggles. So. Um, going forward, Max, how are you feeling about Game Seven? Are you thinking that this now leans in favor of the Clippers, or do you think that, or do you think that Utah is still just the better team, and this was just a a performance like like we said, where the Jazz just straight up struggled? Uh, you could call it choke, you could call it a struggle. I'm not sure which way I'm leaning right now. I guess it will depend on the outcome of Game Seven to really know. But um, again. Or, or do you think that, uh, or do you think that the uh, the Jazz just had an off game and they're going to bounce back and and they've proven to be the better team so far in the series? So, what's your thoughts on that? No, I think I think the the inexperience of the Jazz really showed, and I also think the experience is going to come for the Clippers, and you know they they they're going to win Game Seven. I think that they're the best player on that floor is is on the Clippers, which is Chris Paul, and he's a point guard, so he can dictate. Um, the game and the pace of play, and if they want to up and you know run fast break, if they want to slow it down, so they have the best player on the floor. They're at home. I can't see them losing three games at home because if they do, forget blowing up the team. They might as well let Doc Rivers go to Orlando already or whatever the rumors are starting. Because I don't know how anybody could survive losing three games at home, especially in LA. But you know that's that's a different topic. So yeah, I think the Clippers are gonna finally they're gonna finally close out the Jazz. I think experience is gonna play, and it's gonna be very disappointing because um, I didn't even think any of these teams had any kind of chance against the Warriors. But the Jazz, for some reason, always played the Warriors tough. The Clippers have absolutely no shot. I'd be shocked if they win one game against the Warriors next playoff because the Warriors not only do they own them when everybody's healthy, now there's no Blake Griffin who I'll I. Say there's three people that have like watched, you know, like when I started watching basketball constantly that I thought was very overrated: Ray John Rondo, um, Paul Pierce, and that's probably he's a Celt- that's a Celtics thing. And then Blake Griffin. I don't think Blake Griffin is all that. I think he's very overrated. Um, and I honestly kept think- I kept say- kept saying that if the Clippers would have traded him and got like a nice stretch four to have uh, DeAndre Jordan control the paint and be running pick and roll and dish it out to that four like a Carmelo or whoever they could have got or if they could have got, they would be a better team. So I'm not really surprised that this game is going, this series is going seven, even after Blake got hurt. Um, but I do think they're going to close them out. Um, the Utah had their chance, man. You, I mean, you won two road games. You got to, gotta like, I don't want to say lucky in game one with Joe Johnson hitting that, but it's going to be really hard to win three road games. And if they do it, more power to them. But I'm going to take the experience. I'm going to take the best player on the floor in, the, in Chris Paul. So that's how I feel it's going to end. Yeah, um, you know, I really think that it did shift back in favor of the Clippers, not just because home court and everything, like you said. I think I think the experience factor. Um, I think that was part of it last night for sure. Um, I I I I think that it it had to play some part. Like the Jazz, the Jazz just don't normally miss that many open jumpers and that many good looks um, and have that many mistakes. Uh, but you know. And like you said, Chris Paul is the best player by far on the court in this series. And when you have the best player on the court and home court, you can uh, you can totally win. Plus, Gobert is 
we'll see what he is. I mean, I mean, he honestly shocked me with how healthy he was when he came back. Um, he looked he looked damn near 100%. I know he definitely wasn't. I don't. I know that's not humanly possible to be 100% right. after what he went through in game one. But he played phenomenal. So I mean, if he could come back and play like he did in game three, uh, uh, game three or four, I forget which game he came back now. But um, uh, if he could come back like that in this game in game seven, if he could get that ankle swelled down enough at, to be able to move and and to play very well, and uh, David Locke, uh, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, uh, Lockdown Podcast. It's a phenomenal podcast, by the way. I think everybody should listen to it. The whole Lockdown Network is great. Uh, but he he was talking how Gobert is one of the toughest players at at uh, playing through pain that he has ever seen in his life. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure Gobert will try and give it a go. But if he's not 100%, we've seen how DeAndre just totally dominated i mean that's something that i think was an underlining factor that not a lot of people are talking about today from what i hear is a lot of people are talking about chris paul and in the bench and rightfully so because both of those were uh key factors in the win but let's not act like deandre getting all those second chance points and all those easy lobs and those uh those dunks i mean granted he didn't shoot well from the free throw but all those easy lobs and uh and just like easy buckets in the paint plus offensive rebounds leading to second chance points and and more and more uh possession time for the clippers that added up and i think that was a huge difference in the win so it's it'll be interesting because the jazz don't seem to have a game plan that works at keeping deandre off the glass when gobert isn't out it seems like gobert is their only um game plan to stopping deandre from uh attacking the offensive glass and i think deandre and the clippers know that and I think the Jazz know that. So that will be a very interesting underlining story is how healthy Gobert is. I think that um I think that will I think that will be the determining factor because I think Joe Johnson, I think uh Gordon Hayward, I think I think Utah will come out overall as a team and play better. I think Chris Paul will be, you know, game seven facing elimination, Chris Paul, and I think he'll he'll play great. Uh, I don't know if I trust the Clippers bench to have two back-to-back really good games. So it's still a toss-up, but, you know, and, and the Clippers haven't shown that there's that home court advantage has really mattered to them, it, both in this series and in the past. So I, I can totally see the Clippers blowing this at home, but, you know, I think I'm just going to roll with them because, like you said, the best player on the court, uh, they have the best player on the court, they're at home, and they have the health uh and they have the healthier team so i think i'm rolling with the clippers in game in game 7 yeah and then they're just going to go into golden state and the golden state's going to run them off the floor like they usually do so yep just looking forward to um you know spurs and and rockets so <laughs> yeah we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that in a minute um yeah so basically the clippers and jazz are competing for a road kill uh in the Pretty second much. round but <laughs> No, I, I, I do think, I've said this before, I think that Jazz um, Warriors could get a little weird if Gobert was fully healthy, but we'll we'll see yeah. about that. Um, let's right. let's jump into the other two game sixes because we spent a lot of time on the Clippers. Um, so quickly, uh, Wizards, Hawks, and Bulls, Celtics, I don't think either one has to go that far in depth. Um, no. You and I both uh, thought from the jump that... Um, that the Wizards would win would win this series, and uh, they kind of won so in, and I wouldn't say 
I would say far from dramatic fashion. Um, they kind of they kind of controlled this game. Uh, Atlanta made a run late, but uh, then the Wizards just blew it back up. And John Wall was incredible, 42 points, 10 assists, I believe, or or was it eight? I'm not entirely sure on that, but 42 and eight or 42 and 10 for John Wall in a closeout game. Uh, so the Wizards advance, and uh, then the Bulls and Celtics play, and the Celtics just dominate the Bulls from the jump, uh, even on the glass, which is surprising that because that's the one thing that the Celtics just don't ever uh, dominate a team on is is the glass. But they they did their job. Uh, they did their job last night. Uh, Max, just give me your takeaway from those two games. Um, well, let's start with the Wizards, who I had going to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, this year against the Cavs. And I think they will give the Cavs a little run for their money. Um, I love John Wall and Bradley Beal, man. I, especially Wall's been playing out of his mind. Um, I didn't think the Hawks would do a little bit. Of, I thought they'd be doing a little bit of damage. I wasn't so, like, turned off by them. But for some reason, there's just something about the Hawks that you couldn't, like, fully grasp to. You know, it's like, man, one day they... You know, they'll go into Cleveland and come back from 26 down, and the next day they'll just look like, okay, like, you guys are you guys are bottom, you know, four team in the, or bottom the like, six between the fourth to eighth seed. So it's like, you know, what? where's the real Hawks? And for some reason, Bradley, uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal are just been playing bananas. I mean, Beal got 31 yesterday, and he's shooting like crazy, and John Wall's just been on a different level. You're right, he's, you had... He had 10 assists. He had 42 points. He was chirping with Julio Jones and Migos and Gucci Man and all of Atlanta's front row, celebrity front row, which was, I'm not going to lie, though. That, that, their, their front row of celebrities, you know, it's Liddy after the game. So whoever, <laughs> whatever they were doing after the game, I would have been with them. But, um, yeah, no, John Wall is playing like a possessed man. And, you know, honestly, I think that they're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not a big Celtics uh, believer and um, yeah, we'll get to the Celtics in a little bit because I was kind of disappointing, disappointed in that. But yeah, I'm I'm a big John Wall and, and Beal fan, and I love when we talk to trade. I love the um, Bogdanovich pickup that they did. Uh, Mar- Markeith Morris, if they want to go small, Otto Porter Jr. I think led the league in three point percentage. Uh, Gortat, you know, he was he was doing work on the, as a big. Ubre has great defense. Brandon Jennings, he was another pickup. Um, from the and um, after the trade deadline, so I mean I I like this team I really do. Uh, I didn't like how they were playing some of the games in Atlanta. I thought like if they wanted to be taken seriously, they got to win a road game. So I was very pleased with them winning this game. I didn't even if they would have lost this game one game seven, I would have been disappointed in them. You know, I wanted them to yeah. be, I wanted the Wizards to show that they're here to show the team that you know, even though they started out really slow, they ran off like I think 15 in a row at home and thought, okay, finally, like this is the expectations that I that I had for the Wizards. So yeah, I'm I'm not shocked. That's a that's a team that I thought would that's a, a series I thought would end in five, but it ended in six. So yeah, I'm a, I'm I'm on the Wizards bandwagon right now. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So I I agree with a lot of the sentiments. Uh, it was nice to see the Wizards win in state in in a blowout. Um, just just a, a a great sensational statement win for the Wizards on the road. Um, obviously in Atlanta, beating the Hawks. I don't remember the final score off the top of my head. I believe it was like one fifteen one hundred or one fifteen ninety eight something. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, it was um, a sixteen point game. Okay. Yeah. 
And um, so then the Bulls and Celtics, the Bulls, like we said, just got bashed all night um, by the Celtics pretty much from the jump. My roommate and I were watching the game. Uh, we were flipping between the Hawks and the and uh, both both uh, Wiz Hawks and Bulls Celtics. And my buddy and I look at each other and we're like, "This game's over." And it was and it was the like six minutes in the game, maybe not even. Uh, you could just tell from the jump that the Celtics uh, came back and won this series. So uh, we we won't get into with uh, with Celtics preview just yet. So I want to I want to stay just on the Bulls Celtics series for a second and uh, just quickly say. Uh, and ask this question to you, Max: Is how do you how do you feel about the Celtics um, after dropping the first two, coming back and winning four straight? Granted, it was a dumpster fire team in Chicago, a team that was chanting "fire Fred Hoiberg" um, relentlessly in the crowd uh, during the game, which was just very just low class in my opinion. I I get that yeah. he's not the greatest coach, and I've said that he should be fired, but. You don't do that when your team is facing elimination. Um, just very, very low class, disappointing, um, disappointing. I'm disappointed in the Bulls fans, to be frank. But um, the Celtics, anyways, back to my point, was the Celtics, after dropping two, coming back and winning four straight, did that show you anything? Did Isaiah Thomas's performance show you anything? I'm finding it hard to, I'm finding it hard to equate the value of this series. Like, I like um you know I was bullish like you um we were both bullish on the Celtics coming into the playoffs just because how much can a 5-9 guy dominate in the playoffs when there's game plan there's physical play there's all of these things um but Isaiah had a great series um I I don't know I just I find it hard to value and I I'm not sure if my stock has raised or lowered on the Celtics I go I go back and forth I mean it's it's just it's Max. How do you how do you value this series? I mean, is there anything positive to take away? Is there anything negative to take? Like, where are you at? Did this did this change your opinion on the Celtics in any way? Not necessarily. Not at all. I mean, I don't, I guess what what kind of sucks is you like what have the tragic thing that happened is with Isaiah Thomas losing his sister the day before the, the first round started. So I don't know like how I could I, I don't know if he, if the, if I could just judge the team you know based off that because that's their first two games, that game, you could just tell, like, it wasn't themselves. I mean, usually when stuff, tragic thing happened, like, the team emotionally, like, rises up and whatever. But that wasn't the case with the Celtics team. And, you know, rightfully so. Like, I wouldn't, like, I mean, I don't know how I would play a game after losing somebody in my life, let alone, like, a playoff game. So, um, it's really hard to judge Isaiah Thomas and the rest of the team based off that. But it doesn't really change my mind about them. I mean, I think that I didn't like them that great anyways I thought they were they were okay they, they got the first seed whatever but Cleveland struggled down the stretch they started resting players they didn't really care about the first seed and you know what showed me was when Cleveland went to Boston and just absolutely manhandled them and just slaughtered them I think they won by 20 or 30 in Boston so that just showed me like all right they don't care they they they, they think they can go to Boston and win too and when the Bulls won the first two games I thought that's I'm not surprised. I didn't think that the Celtics were all that great to begin with. I thought, you know, them getting actually the Bulls was a bad matchup for them because they were going to get crushed on the glass, which they did. And I don't know how big of a factor Ray John Rondo played, but I guess he was huge. And once he got hurt, the <laughs> the Bulls couldn't muster any offense whatsoever. And Dwayne Wade disappeared. And I don't know. He I think he had, he went one for ten yesterday. And a part of me was thinking like, even when we did our uh, I think uh, preview or 
so we did a podcast and I said, I don't know how the, the, the Bulls are going to be with when Dwayne Wade comes back. I'm sure it should help, but, you know, they made their run at the end of the season without him when he, like, I think separated his shoulder. So I don't know if that played a factor. Probably not because he was he's more of a, a plus and a negative to the team. But, um, yeah, it didn't really show me much. I was more disappointed in the Bulls, to be honest with you. Like, how do you lose three home games? And then yeah. you think about it and, and I'm like, you know what? Never mind. Like, I don't know why I was so adamant about the Bulls. Like, they've been, like, a freaking uh, a dumpster fire all year tra- trying to trade Butler, not trying to trade Butler, uh, getting rid of McDermott and Todd Gibson because they wanted to tank, but then they ended up making a run. And now and I, it's just like it's a back and forth. They Even before this season started, it's like if you watch college basketball and you saw how Fred Hoiberg was at Iowa State, run and gun, get the ball, dish it out, three-point shooting or a layup, you know, that was his style. And then he comes to the NBA, and he wants to implement that. And next thing you know, they sign Dwayne Wade. They sign John Rondo, and it's like, wait a minute. These are the wrong players for the system that Fred Hoiberg likes to run and likes to play in. So it make, I don't understand like what they were you know, thinking of doing. Maybe the talent of Butler, Rondo, even though Rondo and him like butted heads, and he butted heads with the management. He barely played this year. Uh, I don't know how that's going to fit their core and his principles, and it showed. It showed that a bad shooting team, and but the way they played yesterday was just like these dudes just pack it and just blow it up, man. You can't come on a game six at home and get blown out the entire game. It was boring. The fans to me felt boring too. Like game three, they were up two games to none, and I felt I was like, is this a preseason game? I really did. I thought like that there there was no energy on the court by the Bulls, no energy from the stands from the fans, no energy, like, at all, and I couldn't believe it was a playoff game. Then you turn it to, like, uh, Utah fans, and they were rowdy all game, and it made me realize, like, man, these guys, these fans are in it, but I don't understand if it's like the Bulls fans were down 0-2. They were playing that mm-hmm. way, so I don't know how much that had to do with it. Um, as far as the Celtics go, I, I, I have the Wizards going to the Eastern Conference Finals, so I think the Wizards could actually uh, beat them. There's some bad blood between the two. It didn't really show me much. I mean, how could who's going to guard John Wall and Bradley Beal? Isaiah Thomas could, I guess, stay with Beal, but, and, and Avery Bradley's put on Wall, but I don't know. I, I still think that as much as I love Isaiah Thomas, 5'9", he's a big liability on the defensive end. Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into that then because uh, we both kind of we both kind of got excited and started to jump into that anyway. So, uh I want to start right where you left off, which is in this series, this Wiz, uh, this Wiz, sorry, not Wiz Hawks, this Wiz Celtics series. Uh, I I think I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head. Is who is Isaiah going to guard? Isaiah was statistically the worst guard in the Eastern Conference defensively, and that's including bench players. That's including like by defensive metrics, he was literally the worst in the conference. And it wasn't even close who was second. Um, I forget who was second, by the way. But anyways, uh, the point is showing that he just, he's he's terrible defensively. And you cannot put him, I, I mean, am I crazy to say that you stick him on Otto Porter and say, let Otto Porter beat us? Like, let Otto Porter, but Otto Porter can clearly post him up. I mean, Otto Porter would have like, what, like 10 inches on him, but... Yeah. I mean, you, I I think you'd rather have Otto Porter taking 15, 16 shots a game than Beal or Wall, right? Like uh what do you what do you do if you're uh 
what do you do if you're Boston? Like, how do you game plan? Where do you, where do you put Isaiah in this series? I'm I'm very curious about that. I think you put him on Beal to begin with, and then you have Avery Bradley on uh, on John Wall, and then Marcus Smart when he, when he comes in, he has to be on either Wall or Beal. That's a tremendous upgrade. But um, yeah, I think you put, you try to put him on Beal and and hope Beal doesn't have a great shooting night, which I don't know. He's been balling lately, so uh, I think that's what they'll do. There's no way he can stand in front of uh, John Wall. I mean, if if I'll be shocked if that was. If that's what they did, but out of yeah, you have to put him on Beal. He has he's I'm, even though he's six five, but he's not as quick as Wall. He can't get to the paint like Wall does, and he and you know he's not the distributor that Wall is. So I guess like with Beal, you just have to worry about Beal like getting hot. But like I said, he's been balling and he can shoot the mess out of the ball. So he still has that's still six inches over him. So I guess what they're gonna have to do is. Play Isaiah, and then maybe just do matchups. I mean, they benched Amari, uh, Amir Johnson for Gerald Green, so who knows if um, Brad Stevens might say like, "Hey, there's we need we're up if we're up five at the end of the game, you know, maybe throw in maybe bench Isaiah for defensive purposes." So I, I I guess that's what I would do. I don't know. I don't know how like tight that is, or how to know or the the Brad Stevens is with Isaiah Thomas to tell him like, "Hey, we're gonna have to bench you," you know, down the stretch to to like lock up the game. So. I don't know. I really don't know. But Brad Stevens has been a great coach. I've, and for some reason, I know this is like off topic, but I was reading that if they would have lost in the first round or even if they don't make a, uh, uh, a far enough push in the playoffs that he might get fired. And I'm like, really? And those are some rumors spreading. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I think that he's going to be a big liability. And I don't know how they're going to um, execute it because this is playoffs. Playoffs is different in the season. So and um with with you when you have guard play like they like the like the Wizards have, you're gonna have to just make some tough decisions. And I would put I would put Marcus Smart to be honest with you. And but you got But they need Isaiah scoring. So, you know it's a it's a win it's a lose lose win lose situation. I guess what's more important defensively or offensively? And Brad Stevens I'm sure has those numbers, so they'll go from there. Yeah. Um. You know you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head here as far as the Isaiah Thomas issue and. Some people have even suggested uh, maybe not benching him, but staggering his minutes to where he's only on with Avery Bradley or Marcus Smart uh, when Wall and Beal are off the court together, uh, or are one only one of them are on the court, I should say, so that that way Isaiah Thomas wouldn't um, wouldn't ever play when Wall or and Beal are on the court at the same time. That way he wouldn't have to guard either one uh, because he's such a defensive liability. But you're right, he's so important and vital to offense. I just I don't think that the Celtics are good enough defensively to uh I don't think the Celtics are good enough defensively. It's it, it's kind of a tricky situation. They're not good enough defensively to overcome Isaiah's deficiencies against the Wizards. But they're also not good enough defensively to bench Isaiah and uh still hold the float and hold the Wizards and limit the Wizards to scoring like I mean, Wall and Beal are still going to get buckets, even with great defenders like Marcus Smart, uh, Jordan, uh, or uh, Jay Crowder, uh, Avery Bradley. Even with all three of them on the floor, I still feel that you know John Wall and Bradley Beal are going to get buckets because they're that good. So it's like, so and that and then at that point you're playing a roster or a five-man lineup with no offensive firepower whatsoever. Um, so. 
so, so it's very it's very tricky. I think you have to play Isaiah. I think you have to hide him on Beal or Porter. Uh, I if I would actually do the I would actually do the dramatic route and put him on Porter just because I don't think that the Wizards want to um, have Porter shoot. You know, like I said, fifteen to eighteen shots a game. Um, I think I think you'd rather have Porter, even though he was greatly efficient this year. Um, I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't want if I was the Wizards. I wouldn't want him shooting that much and taking that many shots from Beal and Wall and from the rest of the team. But you know, it's it's going to be a problem because the Wizards play. They're they're the third best um, starting lineup, statistically speaking, in the NBA. They are a fantastic. Uh, their starting five is a fantastic. Uh, has a fantastic net rating, and um, you know that's only gonna they're only gonna play more because it's the playoffs and it's a tighter rotation. So um, really, the my only my only issue is that is that Wall and Beal are gonna play so much together that you, you you if you were to stagger Isaiah's minutes to where he's only on the court when one of them are on the court, Isaiah would be playing like 16 minutes a game, and you can't have Isaiah playing 16 minutes a game when he's your best player. So. There's just there's just a lot of issues, and I think no matter how you look at it, it's a disadvantage for the Celtics. Plus, the Celtics can't uh, crash the glass uh, very well against them on either side of the ball. They cannot they they will not be able to control the glass against the Wizards. So I, I don't know, Max. I'm struggling to see the silver lining for the Celtics in this series. Um, is there is there a silver lining? Like, what do you what is the Celtics? Um, trump card if you will that will be able to uh, that they'll be able to use and uh what's what's the one area boston's going to have the advantage in this series i'm struggling because i guess you could argue depth but because yeah. the, the wizards the wizards depth has been so awful um but even even then i mean it just seems like the wizards just own every other category and it just like it, it seems like on paper the series shouldn't even be close right yeah you're right it shouldn't that's that's the thing. It's the only thing I could think of is they're deep. They are very deep, but like, is their depth really that great? Except for defensively, when they go into their bench, or if, if they play a defensive team out there, like if they bring in a Marcus Smart and Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley, I mean, that's pretty good defensive team. So I think that's the only thing I could think of is they're deep. And Jalen Brown, you know, he's not a he, he's not slacking on defense too. So maybe they can bring him in and he can try to get some good minutes. So, you know, and I think that's what they'll they'll try to do is they have enough bodies, especially on the perimeter, to like um, to beat up Beal and Wall. Not like beat him up. I guess beat him up physically. Yeah, they have many fouls. They got great defenders. So I think that's what they can do is they can get in there and they could tire them out and they don't have to use all their energy uh, off of one player. So I think that's their main thing is that they have home court, which they they lost two games to Boston to, to Chicago. So I don't know how much that that means for them, but um, yeah, I think the only thing that they have going for them is that they're deep, and you know they're the one seed. So I guess that could that means something, right? It's not like yeah. they didn't they got it on it by accident, which you can argue that they did. But yeah, I think they're just deeper than Washington. But this is playoffs, and who like Washington. You know, if they have to go seven-man, eight-man rotations, they will. And how how are they going to contain people off the glass against the Wizards? Because you know, Markeith Morris could could go down there and rebound. They got they got Gortat. He's you know he's a big body. Yeah, Gortat's going to be a problem, I, I think. Yeah, 
and he's I guess he's a more skilled uh, Robin Robin Lopez because Robin Lo when Robin yeah. Lopez was looking like he was freaking Dirk Nowitzki out there hitting jumpers and <laughs> from top of the key. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jason Smith is a big body. I don't know if he's gonna really like make such a big difference for them. But um, yeah, I think with all, they're just long. The the Wizards are long, and they got if if this, I guess the Celtics if they can control the boards then they have of course I think they'll have a great shot but they have they only had like one game out of the whole series which was yesterday that they ha they were tied on the glass I don't know about the other two I don't remember the other two games that they won but um yeah I don't I, don't, I guess like you said death I guess that's the only thing they're really deep yeah um yeah okay so I I think we're I think we're ready to wrap this up um let's go with an official prediction um I'm going. I'm going Wiz in. I'm going Wiz in five. What about you? Oh shit! Oh, excuse my language. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, That's all right, man. I've said. I'm going. Uh, I, I said Wizards in seven. I want to give some credit to the one seed. Like I don't want to dis, you know. But like, they lost two games for the Bulls. I know. See, that's home. the thing that just scares me. I want the only reason I did seven is because of out of respect. Because they're not gonna. I don't think the the Celtics are gonna just like they're they're gonna just lay down and get beat down. They got a great coach in Brad Stevens. They you know they, they still got Isaiah Thomas who's been balling you know and they can shoot the three too if they're hot they get hot. Yesterday I think they started in the first half. They were I think nine of eighteen. Now that's just against the Bulls. So. Um, but the thing is, you know, the Hawks were lighting up the Wizards too. So defensively, the Wizards are suspect. So I mean, I'm I'm still gonna give the Celtics credit, but I got I got Wizards in seven, um, or yeah, six and seven. I'll I'll go seven. I think they can take Game Seven away from Boston and at the Garden, at the fake Garden over there, whatever they call it now. Um, <laughs> but fire. yeah, so I I have Wizards, Wizards in seven. I think they're gonna advance and uh, they're gonna have to wait on the Cavs and Raptors yeah all right let's jump into it let's jump into Cavs Raps real quick then um since we we know that that series is official after the Raps close out the Bucks and six in a wild series um so here's here's where I'm at with this I'm I'm very torn I don't know where I want to lean with the Cavs Raps like even even as we talk now I'm I'm on the fence with my prediction um I definitely am picking the Cavs to win, absolutely. I just don't know how many games because part of me is saying this small, small part of me, Max, am I wrong to think that there, there's this small part of me that's saying the Indiana Pacers were a mediocre offense and they lit the Cavs up. Toronto is a great offense. And can they just straight up outscore the Cavs and plus the Raptors are a better, uh, are a far better defensive team than the Pacers, can those two things narrow the gap and give Toronto an advantage and maybe give them a shot to not only compete in this series but win this series? There's a small part of a very very small part of me saying that, but then I'm like, they got the best player in the world, uh, so I I don't know. It is it wrong for me to say that there is it wrong for me to to look at it like that? No, you're. It's not. I mean. Like, I, I think the Cavs and, and, and the Wizards are just awful defensively. I remember when they played against each other, it was like in the 150s or 115s at the end of regulation or something like that. So those are the only two things that have 
me like worried about the Cavs and Wizards not make not like predicting even though I, I think it's going to be Cavs versus Wizards in the finals it's not like a guarantee because they're just both aren't great defensively as as for the Raptors the Raptors could put up points against them because I don't think the the Cavs aren't good on defense so yeah you're right they are better defensively than the Pacers they they can uh, score in bunches and they got some great scoring and I don't know like so, it's something about the Raptors that just like blows my mind I mean I, like, how do you get blown out by 30 freaking points or 40 points just because you're on the road, man? Like, that, to me, blows my mind. Because even last year in, in the conference finals against the Cavs, they were getting slaughterhouse the first two games. Yeah. I mean, I thought, like, it'd be a sweep. And then they come back at home and they win two more. And it's like, come on, like, that, that, that can't be such a big disparity from home and road to when you win a game by 10 or 15 and then you get and then you get blown out by 40 like come on like something got to change and this is and that's the only reason why I don't want to think I don't want to pick the Raptors to beat the Cavs it's because I thought maybe with the addition of Ibaka, PJ Tucker, you know, they would like have that like that attitude that you know, we're not going to get punked and whatever and then they come in game 3 against the Bucks and just absolutely poop the bed since I'm trying to not to curse anymore but yeah it's like <laughs> no, come on good. guys I mean yeah, I mean it's 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 just like do, do you know what I mean though? It's just like yeah. you want to pick you want to think like these Raptors, they you know with the, with the cap struggles on defense, even though at, they got Kyrie, they got the best player in the world in LeBron James, and you could think you know what, but they can't guard anybody because the Pacers are lighting them up, and the Raptors are a better team than the Pacers, and they could probably you know defensively are better than the Pacers too. So this game could go six, maybe seven, and then you see them in Game Three and think, all right. Like, you know, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't trust these guys. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I, that's ultimately what brings me back in, in the Cavs, in favor of the Cavs, is just that the Raptors, I... Now, had the Raptors handled the Bucks in, in, in four or five, I think I'd be looking at this totally differently, but you're right. This, this Raptors team just, whether it's Lowry, whether it's DeRozan, whether it's both, they lay goose eggs in every series. I mean, they they just they just straight up give games away in every series, and and you can't you can't beat the best player in the world if you if you give up one or two games in a series. Like LeBron himself, you can pencil in two to three wins against literally any team. Um, you can pencil in at least two wins just because LeBron is the greatest player in the world, and. And you know, the, combine that with the fact that you know you got Kyrie that can win you a game by himself. You got you know Kevin Love, who's phenomenal. I don't know if he can win you a playoff game by himself. Maybe he can, but I. And, and then you got the fact that Toronto lays one to two, sometimes even three games a series where they just flat out just don't come out and they don't play. And I I don't get it. I don't get what it is with them mentally. Like it, it's it's something. It, it's a it's, it'll be a fascinating case study one day to see just what what goes on with the Raptors' psyche. And I, and I really want, you know, one of the talented guys like Zach Lowe to really just do a deep dive in on their psyche uh, because, you know, Zach Lowe's tremendous. And I think I, I think it's just very interesting because on paper, you're right. Like, the, the, the Raptors are far better than the Pacers. And the Pacers and Cavs' narrow margin, I mean – most of the victories were very narrow margin. So, I mean, you got to think that a team that's leaps and bounds better in Toronto on paper 
would be able to close the gap and win a few of those games and maybe swing the series in their favor. But then you look at them and they're like, they lost by 27 to the Bucks and they trailed by as much as you're right, like 35, 40 in that game. So, um, you know, I, I just, that's why ultimately I think that the Cavs win this series. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm still, the, it's just the, the defense of the Cavs just does, it, it is starting to alarm me now because, you know, we keep saying that they got this switch in them. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's a saying that I'm going to keep saying. I said it on yesterday's podcast, and I'm going to say it again. There's two things in basketball that you can never doubt, and that's LeBron James and the San Antonio Spurs. Those are two things that yep. you can never count out, you can never doubt. And, um, but, you know, it's so if LeBron says this team can flip a switch, you got to believe him. But, I mean, you, you thought you would have saw it in the playoffs in the first round, right? So, I mean... I, I think they're in the process of flipping the switch, so to speak. But, you know, maybe Toronto's playing them at the right time. Maybe Cleveland's still trying to find their groove and everything. And the Raptors can really make this a series because of just how awful defensively the Cavs are. I mean, if you take their metrics in the first round against Indiana, they're still the 29th, 30th uh, defensive team in the league. That's the quality of numbers that they're, that they're giving up off um, defensively. So, I... It's just, it, I, ultimately, you got to go Cavs because the Cavs' offenses, look, we've bashed their defense, but we got to say that their offense has been historic. And I, I, I think it's going to be obviously a serious problem for the Raptors. It's a problem for every team in this league. Uh, that's why I think I'm going to go to round it out to predictions. I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with Cavs in six. And I, and I, and I think that that's where I'm at. I think Toronto will get two games because look, Cleveland, as much as we want to say Toronto lays goose eggs, last year Cleveland laid a goose or two goose eggs against Toronto where they just straight up didn't perform. They just didn't care. They weren't taking it seriously. So, you know, I I I'm I I think it's weird. I think the Raptors are better than they were last year, far better, but I still think it's going to be the same outcome, Cavs and 6. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm going to go with Cavs and Six just basically on how the Raptors, like, that game just pissed me off. I know I shouldn't be um, basing it on one game, but, like, it, it, you couldn't come out like that in game three against the Bucks, knowing it's 1-1. And, you know, I could understand if it was 2-0, and even then I'd be, like, alarmed, but the fact that it was 1-1. And th- th- there are so many bad things about that game that pissed me off. DeMar DeRozan, you are a superstar. You are the best player on the Raptors. My God, you cannot go 0 for 8 and only have 8 points because of free throws. You better go 0 for 20. You are their star player. You got you you got to keep shooting the ball. It's like he gave up, and that's what worries me and what's so alarming about these same old Raptors. It's like you guys against the Cavs, they got they're gonna have more size down low with Ibaka and Valanciunas. They're gonna have PJ Tucker. They're gonna have Demar Derozan. They're gonna have people to check LeBron James. But then like, what is you know? I mean, Giannis was just lighting them up. And because you know, and they couldn't guard him. So, am I gonna discredit LeBron James? Of course not. So that's why I just think that, you know, the whole thing about LeBron and his like thing about we we have a switch. I don't believe it for a second. You could have a switch, or and which is fine. But we know how bad defensively you are. It's not like you guys became like we'll have a couple of games where you're like, 
oh man, we're going through a tough week or whatever, and then switch it up and then becoming like, all right, top five and top ten in defense. No, you've been 29th all year, and it showed and and it showed towards the end. So this whole switching thing is BS to me. But I'm not going to discredit, like you said, their offense is historic. It's marvelous. So they're going to have to just outscore all their all their uh, all, all the teams that they play and. Obviously, I don't think they're going to be able – they're going to have enough offense to beat the, the Warriors in the finals when it gets to that, you know, um, foreshadowing. But, yeah, I'll, I, I'm just going to take them basically on offense. I don't believe this whole switch BS that LeBron's trying to say. Kyrie's never been a good defender. Kevin Love's never been a good defender. You only have Tristan Thompson down low. Richard Jefferson is old. Char, uh, Fry is, is not a great defender. J.R. Smith, I think maybe last year because he was in a contract year and – Whatever he balled out on defense, Iman Shumpert should, you know, helps him out on defense. But I, I mean, that's it, right? That's like who is LeBron's been awful on defense too. So uh, yeah, this whole switch thing, I don't buy it. I just think they're just gonna outscore every, all their opponents, and so I have Cavs by six against the Raptors. Okay, okay. So um, real quickly, then I want to ask a question. Um, I kind of laid the case for Toronto, uh, being that. Toronto it has on paper arguably the best the best roster of the of the teams in the East, not named Cleveland. Plus, they're playing the Cavs in the second round as opposed to the conference finals, which gives the Cavs another round to kind of get their shit together if they if they really do have this other switch that you're that you're talking about and that we've been talking about. Um, but I, I so I want to ask you this. So with that being said, are the Raptors? Is this series the biggest threat to Cleveland? If not, who who in the Wizards Hawks or in in the or the, sorry the Wizards Celtics series is the bigger um is the bigger threat? Like which of these which of those three other teams remaining is the biggest threat to Cleveland? Is it Toronto? And if if it is, is it because they're playing them early? Or is it the Wiz or Celtics because they're a better team in your opinion? What what what's what's the matchup that's going to give Cleveland the hardest time in the Eastern Conference? Uh, I think Washington. I mean, I I've been I've been on John Wall and Bradley Beal. The, I, I guess I don't know if LeBron's going to have to try to guard one of those or Wall at the end of games, but Wall's playing like a madman right now, and he can get to the rim so fast and Kyrie is no way going to be able to stay in front of him so with like Bogut getting hurt with no they have no size down there so he I think he's just going to be eating up the Cavs if when it gets to that um in the conference finals so I have the Wizards just be you know because just because they they got that Beal and Wall playing like freaking psychos right now so I love I, I'm I'm staying on the Wizards bandwagon. I hope they don't, uh, um, you know, go out there and just get and lose to the Celtics because I do have them in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I do think they're going to give Cleveland a run for their money. So I'm I'm sticking to Wall and Beal. Those are my two guys right now. And you know, Marquise Morris, he's a he can ball too, and he's like even though he's been struggling a little bit, hopefully he finds his rhythm. And uh, yeah, and Gortat could could be big for them down low. So I have the Wizards as the team that will give the Cavs the most uh, trouble. Okay. Okay. Um, so you're rolling you? with the Wizards. Yeah, you're rolling with the Wizards and uh, Wall and Beal. You know, you make an interesting point with the fact that, you know, who's who on God's green earth is going to stop John Wall from getting to a basket in that Cleveland series almost every play, almost at will. Um, 
and then Bradley Beal, like you said, uh, like and like you alluded to earlier, their their previous matchups in the regular season were offensive firepower based, and uh, Washington is is such a great offensive team, but I I think I'm going with the Raptors because I think there is, I think Cleveland will progressively get better as the playoffs go on. I really think they will, um, just because of who LeBron is, like like LeBron and maybe I'm reaching to give him a pass, but I really don't think he gives a rip about the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, I mean, this guy this guy is a photographic memory and they asked him when's the last time you lost a first round game? He's like, I don't know and then they and then they gave him the answer and he said, Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Like I mean, this guy is just this guy is just incredibly, incredibly successful in the playoffs, and I really don't think he sweats until the until the conference finals uh, time. So I think that the Raptors playing them early could catch the Cavs off guard, and I think they just have the best combination of offense, defense, and depth uh, of any of these teams in the Eastern Conference. But you know, you're right, uh, Wizards. Wizards weren't consistent either, though, against the against the Hawks. So, um, it had the Wizards, you know, consistently handled had the Wizards handled the Hawks in like five, uh, you know, and, and just looked like the same Wizards team throughout the whole series. I would have been like, okay, okay, I, I I think I might have jumped on the Wizards bandwagon to be the biggest threat to Cleveland, um, because like you said, I mean, the Wall getting to a basket, Beal obviously can score, uh, Morris, Gortat, but. I think I'm wrong with the Raptors just because they have more depth. They have, uh, you know, better. They have better. Um, they have better lineup combinations that they can throw at at Cleveland. They actually have a roster that can go five out with Ibaka at the five, um, which is one thing that I don't think the Wizards can do. I don't think the Wizards can. Right. Um. I'll, they they can try to with maybe like some drastic Otto Porter at the five or or Morris at the five lineup. With, and throwing Kelly Oubre, but I don't know how great that's gonna be. Um, so uh, I I would say I would say I'm gonna roll with I'm gonna roll with the the Raptors being it. And again, my main components are the depth, uh, the offense, and the defense, and just the overall roster of the team, as well as the fact that they're playing Cleveland around earlier when I think they could still. I think St- Cleveland can still kind of be caught off guard, just body language wise. They just don't look like they're they're in full pe- uh, they're in full like shock mode. Like they're I don't think they're really stressed about where they're at in the playoffs right now. But I mean, like we alluded to in the Cavs Raptors series, there's there's no way I'm giving the Raptors a shot to win this series um, for for many reasons. Uh, partially their inconsistency, uh, the Cavs just being the Cavs and having the greatest player in the world. Uh, so I, I don't think that any team in the East is really going to challenge Cleveland, but I think that the Raptors are the team to um, give them the most run for their money in the Eastern Conference before they make it to the finals again. You know, I, I, I think if if Coach Casey would start that lineup of Ibaka at the center, I think that that's going to show me, like, oh, these guys are actually trying to win and they're trying to, like, go small ball against them. I don't know if that's going to work, but I, I would do that instead of having, like, Ibaka at the four with Balanchunas and, you know, whatever. I would actually play around with the with the lineup and I would I would really consider starting Ibaka at the five and then have Balanchunas come off the bench for him because that would be huge, yeah. huge when it comes to the bench play for the Raptors. So I, they should have learned from last year because they were getting crushed on the road when it came 
to um, when Fry was in that lineup for the Cavs and they were just hitting threes left and right. So yeah, I would, I I would play Ibaka at the five a lot, not just like you know when he goes to that lineup. I would play him a lot and maybe talk to both of them, be, him and Valanciunas, and be like, look, we're gonna have one of you guys in there at the five, and then Norman Powell, who's been actually um, yes, he's probably their MVP. And the Norman Powell's been the amazing. Bucks. Yeah, so I think that they're going to – I think that they, if they do mess with their lineups, if they do have uh, Ibaka at the five and maybe go small and try to counteract what the, uh, what, what the um, Cavs run, especially when the Cavs go small, they just like are like a machine on offense. But, you know, you could have Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Damari Carroll, Serge Ibaka, um, and if you want, Patrick Patterson maybe, or P.J. Tucker just so he can, uh, he can check LeBron on defense and, you know – and Damari Carroll. I mean, they just have a lot of players. That's why we both liked what they did in the trading deadline. I just think I just have such a bad taste in my mouth in Game Three against the Bucks. I don't know why. I just feel like that you can't come out like that. And I mean, even if they would have still lost by twenty, just like the fact that DeRozan only had eight points. I mean, yeah, eight points, and all were free throw. It's like really, like you guys really gonna? That's this is how you guys want to play this. So now if you guys don't have home court advantage, you're going to, like, lose again? That's that's what I think God said. Even though they won game six against the Bucks, but if you watch that game, they blew a 25-point lead in the third. It's like, how? Yeah. I think they they had I think they were up 71 to 56. And next thing you know, to, it's 72 to 48, I think, was the highest. Oh. So maybe it was yeah, 20, and then, yeah, 24, 25, something like that. And next thing you know, it's 74, 72, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, how is this possible? Yeah, you have so much talent. How is this allowed? How how can you guys do this? So, I that's that's the only that's the only issue. If, but if they would have been like, say they lost game three, and then they just crushed them game six, I would have actually made this game go seven and maybe think like the Raptors have a chance. But seeing after all that now, I'm just like uh, I'll take the Cavs in six. But you know, it could, we could be wrong. They could match up very well against them and. Demar Demar Carroll, even though he's been like kind of disappointing, he can ball out, play defense, and like you said, we could they can throw PJ Tucker at LeBron. If they look at what the cat with the with the Mavs did to the Heat when LeBron was there, and just throw bodies at LeBron, bodies at LeBron, bodies at LeBron, maybe they can tire him out by the fourth. And they're not and the, the, that Heat team compared to this Cavs team defensively is like night and day. So if they can do that, maybe they can steal one of the games. Uh, one of the first two games, which I don't know if I'll be, like, still on the Raptors. Like, oh, they stole one, so now I think they're going to win the series because I can easily see the Cavs stealing one or back. So, yeah, it just, to me, it's just their psyche. Like you said, if one of the writers could just, like, write about why are they so awful when it comes, when it comes to road games in the playoffs, then, yeah, but maybe they they learned their learning or I don't know. But I'm not, I don't trust them still, so I'm still going to go with the Cavs. All right, so... Um, and, and you're also rolling with, just to clarify, you're still rolling with the the original question, um, Wiz being the, being Wizards, the main yeah. threat? Okay. Okay, cool. So yeah. um, let's jump to Western Conference then. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Warriors because we don't know who they're playing yet with the uh, Jazz Clips Game 7, so we talked about that. So let's talk about the last uh, series that we know is a matchup. Um, let's talk Spurs-Rockets preview. So this series is interesting like I still am on the fence about this series like I I here's here's where I'm at so I can see I, I I'm leaning Spurs 
because I think Kawhi on Harden can just all series long make a huge uh, muck of the Rockets' offense. And two, uh, that style of play that Mike D'Antoni has, like, um, that has issued, has never done well against a Popovich team, uh, especially. And just in the playoffs, it, 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 it's never really gone too far, quite frankly. So, um, so I, 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 I still don't know if that way of uh, if that way of play, the way D'Antoni plays basketball, the way he coaches basketball, can win come postseason time, and uh, especially against Popovich, who was when when D'Antoni was at the Suns, was uh, the Spurs were just single handedly crushing the Suns, and you know and and always getting the best of Suns in their head to head matchups in the playoffs. Um, so, I I think I I think those two combinations have me leaning Spurs, but. You know, I just look at the Rockets and I'm just like, the Rockets have so much offense, and the fact that they dominated OKC, who we all know is a flawed team. We, you and I, have both said that from the jump that they're a flawed team, but um, the fact that they handled them without really having many major offensive uh, performances outside of Harden, um, like like this team definitely could have played far better offensively in the first round than they did. Uh, you know, that I, I don't know, man. Uh, and the Spurs, outside of Kawhi, man, they got a lot of old players. I know that Pop always seems to have some voodoo magic where the players that are 38 play like they're 28. But I, I don't know. I could see, like, a lot of matchups being exploited by Houston. And so I'm not ready to count out Houston. I, I think I'm ultimately going Spurs in six. Uh, Max, how are, you, how are you feeling about this series? I'm with you. I think that the, it's going to be Spurs advancing. And I, I I don't know what's going on with Marcus Aldridge. My God. I thought that yeah. was the pickup of the, like, one of the best pickups last year and thought the Warriors better watch out. And you know what? Last year they were balling too. The Marcus was balling. And this year he's just been, like, I don't know if he's been irrelevant. And I don't know. Maybe it's the style of the Grizzlies that he doesn't, he doesn't bang down low, you know? So maybe that's why he struggled. And – and I think he's finally. This is a series for him to like, finally like be the Marcus Aldridge of old when he was lighting up the Rockets when Dwight Howard when he was on the Blazers and he was lighting up Dwight Howard for like forty something points. I don't know if Capella, you know, he's not that type of player to be out there and banging with uh, like bang like Jack Randolph or Marcus All against Lamarcus. So I feel like Lamarcus is gonna actually come out of his funk and you know, do good this year, this series. And plus they're playing the Mike D'Antoni team. So if you can't, if you can't score or you can't, you know, put up 120 points against or 10 points against Mike D'Antoni team, then, then you really are struggling. And the Spurs might have to consider getting like a new, another face to help Kawhi. But back to the James Harden thing. When you're playing OKC, Andre Robertson was out there to defend James Harding, but his offense and his free throw shooting was just god-awful. I think he went like 2 of 18 in the series or something like that. And now I'm thinking, okay, so you have a better defender who's probably one of the best defenders in the league. And not only that, but he is an absolute monster on offensively now. And, I mean, against the Grizzlies, he was out there like point guard, dishing it and finding the open man. Finding Tony Parker, finding Patty Mills, and I think that would be that's going to be so huge for the Spurs that this dude could play bat, both ends, 
and you don't have to like mix and match, right? With like, oh, let's take Robertson out, but then Robertson would go out, and James Harden would just get to the rim. Um, they don't switch a lot like the, the Thunder do, which I never, I never understood. Why would you switch on a James Harden with Stephen Adams or Enos Cantor? Like that's not gonna ever work. Harden's gonna get them every time. Um, they don't. The, the Rockets don't have like. I mean, I guess Beverly and uh, Eric Gordon and Lou Williams when they come in, they could like um, actually be distributors or actually take a Tony Parker or whoever. But Patty Mills has been that guy too. That's actually been coming off the bench and giving the Spurs a little spark. So I. Ultimately, the best player on the floor is Kawhi Leonard. Um, and like you said, Greg Popovich against Mike D'Antoni. Popovich all day, all long, all night long. I mean, I'm, I'll be surprised if this goes seven. But the way the, the Spurs played, it's. I think we should give more credit to the Grizzlies. I think their style of play wears down everybody. You know, they don't, they're not a team that gets swept. LaMarcus, uh, Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph are great players. And Mike Conley is very underrated. I think people... Uh, fail to realize how hard it is to win at the grindhouse. I mean, even the Warriors would struggle when they won, when they played there. I mean, I think they eventually won in six, but they were they struggled a couple of games in, in, in Memphis. So I think that should be more credit to the Grizzlies. But, like, you're right. The Spurs, they got to they either, you know, they're going to come big, come up big because now it's a different team. Now it's a more, like, uh, less physical team. And now it's like, all right, it's a Popovich against D'Antoni. You're always going to take Popovich. So if they – obviously Kawhi needs help. And he's going to get it, I think, because they're going to, the Rockets are less physical. And LaMarcus Aldridge is going to have, you know, great games. And they're going to get to the paint. And I think the Spurs are going to win in six or seven games. Okay. That's that's very fair. Um, yeah, I think, we're, I think we're kind of along the lines of the same um, – of the same breath. Now, uh, I would say I give probably about a a sixty five percent chance the Spurs win this series. Um, what would you What would you give uh, What would you give them of winning this series? Like like how 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 much of a shot do you actually give the Rockets? Because it sounds like maybe you're um, more bullish on the Rockets' chances to win this series than I am. Yeah, I give them like I give the Rockets a thirty percent chance, and it's not nothing against what they've done this year is, is amazing, and they've exceeded everybody's expectations, especially mine. I didn't think they'd make playoffs, let alone be the third best, have the third best record in the league. I just don't like like a Mike D'Antoni team. You know, if you're telling me if they can, if they don't if they don't hit ten threes, at least ten threes versus the Spurs, they might have to win. They could win a game. Now they could they could have they done that and got away with it against the the Thunder because. Well, I mean, look who's who's on the Thunder. They couldn't shoot the ball to save their lives aside from Russell Westbrook, even though he had to do way too much in the fourth quarter. And you know, let's be let's be real. I think what that the Thunder had a ten point lead like in three of the games, right? And they lost. They blew two two games, and they had a double digit lead in the fourth quarter. So uh, uh, is that supposed to like give me like reassurance that the, the this Rockets team is different, or is that? Like everybody, what's everybody been saying about the Thunder team? What you said, they're flawed, you know. So that's right. why they could come back against against a team, the Rockets against a team like the Thunder. But would you give that to? Would you give the Rockets the same kind of um, chance that, or you know, like oh, they can do this against the Spurs? I, I wouldn't be too like I'm not too comfortable giving them that kind of respect to be like oh, if the Spurs had a ten point lead, they'll blow it right away to the Rockets. I'm not, I'm not on board on that. So I feel like the Rockets. 
they didn't play that great against the Thunder, even though they still won in five games. But that's more telling on the Thunder team than it is on the Rockets. Okay, okay, uh, that that's fair. I mean, I don't think I don't think you're wrong in that logic either. I think maybe I'm just a little bit more optimistic when it comes to Rockets, and I think I'm looking at it from a slightly different perspective. But you know, that's that's fair. Uh, the Thunder did blow two double-digit leads in this series, and you know that's that could go both ways. That can go the way of the you can look at it as the Rockets came back, or you can look at it as the the Thunder being a flawed roster, and just that the fact that they were up by double digits in the first place in the fourth quarter should be alarming. So, right, um, yeah, you're right. I think uh, ultimately we're both going we're we're both going Spurs with this series. Um, we're both favoring the Spurs. Uh, Max. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. It's always great having you on the podcast. So um, please, why don't you uh, tell them where to find you um, until the next time, until you're back on again. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, Facebook at the, the same handle, Hotter2, H-A-U-T-E-R, number two. Um, I'm on there, especially on Twitter, a lot. Um I I like to get upset on I'm I'm like a guy that watches something I'm like all right I'm changing my mind but <laughs> I try to stay I try to stay at the same uh, with my same predictions but sometimes stuff happens in the games that I'm just like all right so I, I'm always engaging and maybe I'll say something and someone could you know point me out like you said this so I pre- I actually like that I actually like to have conversation with people so yeah catch me on on Twitter and thanks for having me man it was always a pleasure to be on here. Always, man. It's it's always great to have you on, and you are. I can confirm that he is a great follow on Twitter. Um, so <laughs> definitely follow him. He always engages right away. I mean, I swear sometimes he replies to the tweets before I even send them. Uh, but but uh, yeah, man. It's it's great having you on here. Uh, I love having you on to talk playoff basketball. The fans love you. I get great feedback every time you're on. Um, shout out to homie Will Gill one more time for linking us up. Will Gill. Yep, Will Gill. He's the truth. Uh, go check them out at Hip Hop Review Podcast. Will Gill does some great things along with the other homie, Vontae the Pro. Um, but like I said earlier, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Real Chris Platty. That's R E A L, real, and then Chris Platty, C H R I S P L A T T E. No spaces, no caps, no nothing, no nothing fancy, just straight up. All one word, real Chris Platty. That's my Twitter username. And on there, you can find a link to my Podbean and my iTunes account where I have all of my podcasts. I just recently changed my iTunes so that you can see the very first podcast I've done. So the fans that want to go all the way back and dig all the way back in my past and look at how horrible and awful I was as a podcaster, you can you can go do that, um, chop it up into some clips, and you know probably make me a meme or whatever the kids do these days. But... Um, also, I, like I said earlier at the beginning of the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. I will be shouting out those, uh, next week on a podcast that I'm doing a major podcast that I'm doing. Um, I'm doing a strictly hip hop, uh, recapping the year 2017 hip hop. So far, we're going to talk, we're going to talk Kendrick versus Drake. We're going to talk Remy Ma versus, uh, Nikki. We're going to talk all the insane stuff. Our top five albums of the year what's coming up later it's going to be a massive and huge podcast and on that podcast i'm going to make big announcements and on that podcast i will be reading everybody who has shouted uh who has shouted out and left reviews on itunes so please go within the next week um sometime this weekend just get your reviews in 
and uh, give me give me a username that I can shout out, and I will shout you out on the podcast. Uh, again, it's going to be the biggest podcast I've ever done to this point. I got Kalo and Chris, uh, uh, two fan favorites when it comes to Strictly Hoop Talks or Strictly Hip Hop series. So uh, that's going to be a great, great podcast. So stay tuned for that one. That's the next podcast. But until then, I'll be grinding out for this last week of finals here at MSU. And uh, Max, it's great to take a break from studying to uh, come talk hoops with you. Uh, So thank you for coming on the podcast, man. And I'll see you soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for always having me on here. (laughs) (laughs) No problem, man. Take care.